0: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Logos, heart of God, mind of Christ. With your host, Andy Anastasopoulos. Hello, Radio World. Welcome, welcome to Logos, Heart of God, Mind of Christ. I am the Spartan. I'm coming at you today on a very, very hot day in New Jersey. Coming to you, bringing the word to you as we speak. Before we get started, I want to remind you to please check out org, my uh, networking podcast. Right here every day we have an amazing assortment of Christian podcasts every day of the week. And I highly recommend checking it out. There's so many different and diverse topics that will to totally satisf- satisfy your everyday needs. So please check it out at a historywithgod.org. On today's episode of Logos, I'd like to talk to you about John the Baptist. Now, for those who don't know, John the Baptist and actually his gospel is com- is so important to me. Quite possibly one of the most important gospels, and might even be my favorite text in all the Bible. People have heard me say it before, but I love the humbleness between both John the Baptist to uh, Christ, and even Christ to John the Baptist, vice versa. But so today we're going to jump into a little bit of who was John the Baptist. So according to the word and according to history, Zacharias was John's father, and he was a priest. And he and his wife Elizabeth were godly people, but elderly and childless. The archangel Gabriel appeared to him and told him he would have a son. His name would be John, and he would be a great man of God. John preached and baptized on the Jordan Valley, south of Jericho. Like Samuel and Samson, he was to be a Nazarene, and preached about prayer, promise, and fulfillment. He abstained from wine and strong drink, but was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now even that I don't know the more I, I read about John the Baptist, the more I realize what, what an amazing character this guy had, and no wonder he was considered the uh you know such a great man of God, because you know how many of us today in this day and age can be abs- you know abstain from wine, and strong drink, but then on top of that be filled with the Holy Spirit, so you know a uh, uh, stuff like that it um uh, it just inspires me it kind of really helps to understand the spirit of God, what we have to do, and what we have to become. And it may sound extreme, but, you know, and then maybe we're not supposed to do that, but it's just nice to know that we have some sort of pillars to live up to. He grew up in the wilderness, wearing a garment of coarse camel's hair with a leather girdle and consuming locusts and wild honey. So he would literally dip locusts and wild honey uh, as a meal. This was also the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. Just as John said, I am the voice in the wilderness, Isaiah 43 says, A voice crying out, Prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness, make straight away the Lord in the wilderness. In essence, John was the way of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. So it was predicted in the Old Testament through Isaiah. So Isaiah predicted it and John fulfilled it later on in the New Testament. John also preached in the wilderness. Not only did he live, but he preached in the wilderness. Far from the temple city of Jerusalem, his message was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that's essentially what baptism is, which we'll get into. John baptized in water to signify the drowning of their old life and to emerge from the water of their new life. I'm going to say that again. John baptized in water to signify the drowning of their old life, the drowning of their sinful life, and to emerge from the water of their new life. So to emerge as a new person, a new man or a new woman of God in their new life. He also baptized in the Jordan River through which the 12 tribes of Israel passed through to the promised land. So even the Jordan River is very significant in uh, in Jewish history. Now the Pharisees questioned John just as they questioned Christ later. They asked, if you are not the Messiah, then why are you baptizing? His response was, I baptize with water only unto repentance. But he would be followed by one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. And the fire, uh, it means eternal punishment. So you either baptized... So Christ has the authority to baptize with the Holy Spirit or to baptize in, uh, in uh, you know, with punishment, eternal punishment. So Jesus leaves his ministry, uh, leaves for his ministry. Okay. Then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan and to, uh, then to John to be baptized from him. And this is found in Matt chapter three, verse 13. The baptism of Jesus was the main event that took him from his home. After years of childhood and his youth, he came to start his ministry. Jesus began to teach at 30 years old, and you can find this in Luke chapter 3, verse 23. When John saw Jesus, he proclaimed him to, to be the son of God who takes away the sin of the world. A dove from heaven accompanied Jesus. That is how John knew who he was. So John is in the presence of Jesus. He baptized him, and the Lord sent a dove. To show him that this was the son of God. And even in, in, in scripture it says, this is my son for whom I am well pleased. According to Jesus, John was much more than a prophet. Surpassing his predecessors in greatness and comparable to Elijah. So, think about that. Christ says that he uh, surpasses, uh, he was more than a prophet and surpasses the old prophets. And he is comparable to Elijah. And it was Elijah who went ahead and predicted John would be the uh, pathway to to uh, Christ, which we stated earlier. So uh, you comp- I find it funny that you're compared to Elijah, and Elijah was the one who, who predicted you. Now John was in the territory of Herod Antipas, the tetraarch appointed by Rome. Now who was Herod Antipas? The son of King Herod who took over power after his father's death. And now what is a tetraarch? One emperor of four. So basically two emperors known as Augusti and two co-emperors known as Caesars. The idea was to provide a cooperative move towards succession among rulers. So that's a whole different story, but I mean, basically, it's four rulers, and it is designed to go ahead and make sure succession from ruler to ruler is possible. Now, the execution, apart from being the man who baptized Christ, he is also known for his unfortunate, gruesome end, and he was beheaded as a form of execution. The Roman historian Josephus tells us about the real John the Baptist. He was a high-minded man. He told the Jews to strive toward perfection and exhorted them to deal justly with one another and to walk humbly with God and to present themselves for baptism. As they flocked towards him from all directions, Hera began to be alarmed, lest the influence of such a man might lead to disturbances. The area of Judea was a hotbed of mobs, insurrections, and revolutionary acts committed on a regular basis. In consequence of Herod's suspicions, John was arrested, sent to the castle of Macarius, and beheaded. Now, according to the gospel, this was uh, the reason for his arrest. However, Josephus offers another explanation, so there's more to the story. On a trip to Rome, Herod became close to Herodias, his brother's wife. He was so attracted to her that he had proposed to her, and she accepted. According to Mosaic law, marriage with a sister-in-law was forbidden, and John denounced it. This enraged Queen Herodias. It is documented that it was Herodias' daughter Salome that asked for her head of John the Baptist in behest of her mother. She wanted to quell her mother's anger, and after a special dance to Herod Antipas, he asked her, What do you want? I will give you half of my kingdom. So he was so mesmerized by by uh, his uh, new wife's daughter, and he was so mesmerized by her dance, that it got brought him to a point to say, What do you want? How amazing are you? I will give you up to half of my kingdom. Anything you want, I will grant it. Now, after he said this to her, she whispered, "Bring me the head of John the Baptist." So apparently, there was a a talk between Salome and her- Herod Herodias, who was, uh, you know, Herod Antipas's new wife, and so she was so enraged by what happened with John the Baptist about John denouncing their marriage that she said I want his head and Salome the daughter was able to do that it's pretty graphic it's pretty um you know evil if you really think about it the king Herod was greatly distressed but because of his oaths and his dinner guests he did not want to refuse her so he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head the man went beheaded John in prison and brought back his head on a platter He presented it to the girl and she gave it to her mother. And this is found in Mark chapter 6, verses 26 to 28. So there you go. That's pretty graphic. That's even a little disturbing. But that was the unfortunate end of John the Baptist. Now, Salome is not mentioned in in the New Testament. It is simply described as Herodias' daughter. Again, Mark chapter 6, verse 22, if you'd like to look it up. However, it's Josephus again who says her name is Salome. Now, how do we know this? Can we take it one step further? Yes, we can. A Roman coin has also preserved her appearance. On it is in, it is inscribed King Aristabulos and Queen Salome. Now, do you guys see also the importance of outside sources in terms of even speaking about the Bible? That is pretty much John the Baptist's story, his unfortunate execution. John the Baptist is extremely important in the story of God and the story of the Messiah to begin with. And uh, it's also a very special moment for me just because, you know, I really identify with John 1. You guys already know that. You know it from the intro. You know it from my page. You know it from the name of the show. You know it from the graphics that I use on my on my websites. So it's there. You guys see that. I would even go as far as to say that this is probably my most favorite, at least so far, because, you know, the Bible is a lot of work. It takes a, lo- a lifetime to read it all, right? But I would argue that so far... It is probably my favorite verse so far. As I stated earlier, I love the verse John says about Christ a man will come after me and I will be unworthy to untie his uh, sandals. If we're talking about a deeper meaning, it really moves me. Okay. So, for those who don't know, what does it mean to untie sandals? Like, it's almost like, you know, he's saying, I am unworthy to even kiss his feet because the most humble thing you'd probably do is kiss somebody's feet. And John says about him, to Christ, I am unworthy to do just that. And I just love the humbleness of John. I love the tender heart of John. I mean, this is what it means to accept Christ into your heart, to be tender, to be humble. Now, on top of that, what I find so fascinating is also the reverse. I love Jesus's reaction to John. I mean, Jesus could have said, that's right, kiss my hand, untie my sandals, kiss my feet, because he is the Messiah. He is the son of God. He is our Savior. And he could have said all of that. But instead, the Messiah stooped low. He, st- he even bent his knee to John and said, what you are doing is right. I want you to baptize me. And he didn't have to say all that. And this reminds me, I have a, a dear woman in my heart that's in my life. And we, I'm sure we spoke about this. And we spoke about this humbleness. And I know I said this to her. And I actually said it to probably to a lot of people, other people, that the humbleness of God for us humans is what makes Christ so great as, as our savior and why he's the one true king. I'm sure you've heard me say it before. I'll say it again. God doesn't have to do anything for us. He, does, he doesn't have to do us any favors. All right? He doesn't owe us anything. He could go ahead and say, goodbye, human race. I'm over you. I'm done with you. He can write to the human race, that, like uh, the Declaration of Independence, the best breakup letter ever. He could say, goodbye, humans. But he doesn't. He loves us. And he bends his knee And he makes his heart a heart of flesh, so to speak. He comes to us and he says to us, he says, I want a relationship with you. So picture that for a moment. If you can, for a moment, close your eyes and say, God chose me. God, the most powerful force in this entire universe, chose me. He wants to have a relationship with me. How amazing is that? That just blows my mind, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to get candid with you right now. Whenever I read the Bible, especially John 1, I cry. That's true. Those who know me, who have already said it before already, I am man enough to say it, and I am not ashamed to say it. When I read the Bible, I cry, and it feels like my soul is weeping, and it's like the greatest feeling I can ever ask for in my entire life. So I don't mind to tell you that I cry when I read the Bible, and it's the tenderness and it's the humbleness of God our Lord to us when he doesn't have to. So, you know, that needs to be said, and that needs to be the prime focus for for everything. So I hope you guys, uh, you know, as you go throughout your day and I hope as you go throughout your week and even the rest of your life, you learn to open your heart a little bit. Go ahead and develop a tender heart. Let the Holy Spirit come in and give you a tender heart. You won't regret it. It's the best thing you can do to have a relationship with the Lord. Humble yourself and bend your knee. Accept the Lord as he accepted you the same way like he did in front of John the Baptist. The best thing you can do, you know, Anyway, that's all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. I, I'm, I'm loving the show. I hope you guys are as well. Please definitely hit me up on social media. Email me at logospodcast at gmail.com. You can go ahead and check me out. I'm also on, on Facebook under Logos. Also, you can check me out at logospodcast.com. You guys have a fantastic day. Please remember what I said, and I'll catch you next week. God bless. Spartan signing out. You've been listening to the Logos Podcast with Andy Anastasopoulos. Visit us online at logospodcast.com and leave a message for Andy to be included in upcoming episodes. The Logos Podcast is part of the Who's Your Daddy Podcast Network and is produced by A History With God Ministries, a ahistorywithgod.org.